Um, welcome to Ezra Illusions, episode 9, our third Game of Thrones recap, the big battle of Winterfell. We've got a great panel of guests to dissect this episode, so do we want to go around and introduce everybody? Sure. Uh, I'm Johnny Kolosinski. I'm co-host of Got Thrones, a Game of Thrones podcast and the Disco Trek, uh, and occasionally tweet as Queen Cersei Real, where I take Donald Trump's tweets oh, and pull them into my stories. That's me. Yeah, I did not know that was you. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's tw- that's tw- two weeks in a row now our uh, introduction has had some great reveals that's really <laughs> exciting last week we had johnny's partner alexandra on and now we get the other half of the disco trick that's right uh, yeah i got a chance to listen to that episode uh, you guys had a fantastic conversation and hope great. i can yeah. live up to Why, it thank you awesome uh david do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and also that article that you just wrote Oh, I, I don't want to talk too much about that. Um, not yet. Uh, yeah, I'm David Lovett. DF Lovett is my uh, writer and blogger name. I blog at a website called What Would Bale Do? Which once upon a time was about hypothetical Christian Bale reboots. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you guys are both doing great stuff. And that began in uh, 10 years ago, and I kind of got tired of that. So it's not so much about that now. Um, and then I'm also, uh, I also write fiction and I, uh, just released a collaboration with Sam Gorski of corridor digital. It's called top 10 games. You can play in your head by yourself. Awesome. And, uh, Zoe, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, my name's Zoe. Uh, a girl has no last name because I'm a therapist by profession. So I like to be private. So I already can go by Zoe of a shy, uh, I like to say as a joke, I put the ass in a shy um, because I've been complimented on that before. And because my shtick is that I'm like the number one Melisandra, Melisandra Stan, um, have been ever since I first watched the show, came in and said some coworkers, wow, I love this woman. They looked at me like I was crazy and called her a manipulative bitch. So I hope they're reading their words right now. Um, and so I, so besides being a therapist, I've done some freelance writing and I have a really embarrassing Twitter under it's, uh, at girl underscore or whatever that thing is hag, which is part of why I relate to Mel Saunders so much because like her, well, I'm also a model and part-time and I very much feel like a really old woman in the body of a conventionally attractive young redhead. So like when that reveal came, it spoke to me very deeply because I have always felt that way. And I also, if you, now that we no longer have Carice Penhowden's wonderful portrayal of Melisandre on our screens, if you want to keep seeing her, I have a Carice fan account on Twitter that's best of Carice Penhowden or just at best of Carice if you are interested in still having wonderful Carice content in your life. Awesome. Um, as far as the episode goes, it seems like a good place to start is Melisandre because we hadn't seen her in a while and three years and it's yeah and it seemed as though Crazy. though a lot of the a lot of the uh troops defending winterfell weren't didn't necessarily know that she was going to come back they knew how to kind of piece her together when she was there because she ended up playing a very pivotal role which was certainly exciting i'll let the non melisandras go first because i have a lot because <laughs> this I, was like this gave me my fucking life i actually started uh following you 
when Ian told me who who else was going to be on this. And, uh, <laughs> the last few days have been purely Melisandre's contagion. <laughs> like most of the time, I mostly just talk about uh, like film, music, and why Melisandre and Cersei should be getting married. But I, right now, I'm in pure Mel mode. <laughs> well, earlier today, I was like, because I'm always following new people, and like, oh, this is interesting. Earlier today, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm following an account dedicated to shipping Melisandre and Cersei? I yes, don't remember are. this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, <laughs> it was, I mean, it's really, I, I remember the first perspective I had of her in season two was like, oh, so it's Lady Macbeth. Yep, but, mine too, <laughs> and she's just obviously become, so much more than that, or really she always was so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would Lady Macbeth have burned Shireen? Would mm-hmm. Lady Macbeth have burned Shireen in a heartbeat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there, there's yeah. a really good article on the Shakespeare of Thrones blog, um, yeah. talking about Stannis as a Shakespearean figure, and they talk about, um, they talk about that, actually. I can't remember what they said, but there is, like, the whole thing of blood. Like, she's washing the blood off her hands obsessively, um, Lady Macbeth. But it's interesting because, actually, that was exactly how I first viewed her, and I loved her anyway. I was just like, well, here's this really cool woman. Like, I, I'm i a big believer that we don't need our faves to be good people in order to love them. Like, Cersei is a horrible person, but I love her because of my being a therapist. I love to psychoanalyze her, and that's why I love her so much. Also, there's a lot of negative qualities she has that I unfortunately relate to. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm more in control of. And yeah, so, blown up yes. Any step yes. Um, not yet, but mentally. Yeah. I have mentally for some enemies, but, um, but yeah, it's funny. Cause I, like I never needed her to be good in order to find her fascinating and interesting. But when I did learn that she actually did think that Sanus was Azora's eye, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. And a uh, high, and um, and she did have good motivations. It's it's just that it's. it's I mean, I, her point of view chapter. I'll be sharing some quotes, but really fascinating. And also just, but yeah, like literally, ever since I've always I've always loved her and have always had people like it's it's. I've had dates be like, oh, this isn't gonna work. Not. I mean, I don't like go off. Like I can control myself in public. Like on a date, I'm not talking out like obsessive love for her all the time. But I'll just say, you know, the awesome my favorite character is. I'll say, and they'll be like you're crazy because people like i remember everyone being like she's a manipulative bitch um you're you know she's evil but and, i mean honestly even if she was evil i would still stand for life but her not being evil i think as adds much complexity and especially in terms of this episode um it's all that's what her like her driving motivations were completely fulfilled and her arc as a character was completely fulfilled and i think that like rarely ever happens i mean we have so many on game of thrones what it's known for is and the song of ice and fire is characters stories being cut short like look at ned look at the red wedding the most famous deaths or oberon you know so to see someone's arc and story actually be fulfilled is really rare and even in this just Internal to this episode, unlike Bran, who also had all sorts of things supposedly in motion, Melisandre actively worked to get shit done. <laughs> Young Bran just like, I'm just going to go trip balls. Yeah. 
You, and and the Godswood seems like a great place to do that, especially when he had his guide with him. He had Theon to yeah. guide him through the bad. I've been there trip. in college. Yeah. Um, but I, it, it was it was fascinating since I mean even even the they had the obligatory small Melisandre Davos scene, which I, I'm glad they included because it shouldn't be forgotten that Melisandre has done horrible things, even if she's there to do good. And I like that they even included that scene as a way of saying, yep, we know you burned a child, but she she was there with a purpose. And, you know, it, it was it was good to see them acknowledge that while also letting her go and go out on a on a really high note, which I was not exactly uh, expecting. And that acknowledges the shades of gray, which is the beauty of this story and of the characters is that there's very few characters who are purely good or purely. E- well, there's actually quite a few purely evil but at least for me, the characters who are purely one or the other just aren't, frankly, aren't interesting. Um, so I think like acknowledging those shades of gray is really key. And that's what makes her and, you know, and the real winner of the battle of Winterfell, Stannis Baratheon. Interesting <laughs> people. You know, it was, a, wow, grat- it was very gratifying to see, you know, the Stannis Ramsey. Fi- I, I just, when I hear battle of Winterfell, it's all I think of is like, oh my God. But yeah, what do the other less less hardcore male people want to say before I get go on? Yeah, on a related note to that, I mean, this episode was supposed to be, I mean, it is the most expensive one they've ever done. I think possibly the most expensive uh, battle ever shown on TV. Mm-hmm. And yet, I think for a lot of people, whether it was the lighting or... or whatever happened during it, but it it didn't feel as epic as Blackwater or Watchers on the Wall or even the Battle of the Bastards. What did you guys think? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, the most anxious I've been watching Game of Thrones was still Battle of the Bastards because mm. I was just, I was so certain, well, for one, they opened it with Rickon's death mm-hmm. to kind of say like, Failing well, it's all on the table, you know, there, there goes baby Stark. And then, um, whether you're, whether I should or not, uh, you know, Tormund and I was so certain Tormund was going to die during the battle. And the I thought Davos too. Yeah. Before. And Davos, yeah. I, and, <laughs> I was really surprised by the lack of death count given how, Last night, yeah. 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 I, I, everyone was ready to die. And <laughs> we lost... Uh, I, I don't think that there's anybody who took the day off of work today to mourn Beric Dondarrion. Oh, so <laughs> yourself. I took the day off work, and I mourn Beric Dondarrion. But yeah, I, I... Also, speaking of Beric, one thing I want to get out of the way, because I love him. Did anyone else pick up on that when he died, he was in the cross position, like Jesus? I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there was that, that yeah, that absolute um, mm-hmm. symbolism. Yeah, that was, I did not see that one. But then, of, of course, I did not see that one coming, though. I, I, well, I saw his death coming, for sure, but I yeah. didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do, I like that he died to save Arya, um, because it, mm-hmm. I, I love him. He's one of my favorite characters. Um, I but I know a lot of people are salty about him being alive, because they're like, if he wasn't alive, we'd have Lady Stoneheart. So I felt like his sacrificing for Arya was kind of like picking up for it almost. But to be honest, I actually... I had thought of it that That's way. how I thought of it. But um, what I would have actually preferred, honestly, is um, if Arya had actually like died and he resurrected her using Kiss of Fire, because that would have been even more of like a 
Lady wow. Stoneheart thing. Yeah. I, th- I think that would have been really mm. cool. They probably didn't have the time or they didn't have, you know, the brain cells thing of that. But I, that would have been what I liked. But RIP to the king of BDE, not just Big Dick Energy, but Beric Dondarrion. It really stands for Beric Dondarrion Energy. I went to the New York City premiere, stood near Richard Dormer taking shots for an hour. He's a beautiful That's man. He is a, he's a beautiful man. I could listen to him read, like, the telephone book. And he's always just been... I, I, I mean, I'm a Lorian, so I love him. Yeah, RIP. Pour one out for Beric. Take but shots for Beric. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Jorah Mormont and people who have listened to any Game of Thrones podcast I've done know that I cannot do a show without wishing for his death and now I can't do that anymore because he's fucking dead and I'm so happy I saw your tweet last night Jorah finally died <laughs> oh that grayscale riddled pervert I hate him I mean I, I don't because again like I watched the show before I started reading the books and it's yeah. less gross I mean also again biased because Ian Glenn is Again, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, pretty, I'm a lesbian, but he's objectively beautiful. <laughs> um, he's like, I mean, I think he's actually the underrated best looking. Him and Richard Dormer are the best looking guys in the show, in my objective lesbian opinion. But um, who's the other one? Richard yeah, Dormer, who plays Beric. Um, oh, okay. And well, and and formerly Nikolai Coster-Waldo, but now he's Dusty. But <laughs> but Liam, but, Liam cutting um, in. But. Oh yeah, he has many. Also, yeah, he has many rights. But um. <laughs> what we're, oh, we're Jorah. So yes, yeah, so I never hated him. Also, because I like you know, like he actually is devoted in a way that doesn't feel creepy on the show. Whereas in the books, he's creeping on a fourteen-year-old. It's totally different. Um, but Danny, Danny swiped left a lot of times, and he kept coming back to <laughs> yeah, her gender it, it, it doesn't to me feel like a Tormund Brienne situation where he's being like invasive of her space in a way that like. She, she values, and that's, I actually thought his death was really well done in terms of having Danny and Drogon. But in terms of, I thought Jorah's death was quite beautifully done. I thought there was going to have him go, like, he was obviously toast. Um, but, and I agree with you, he could have died before, but I thought it was beautifully done with Drogon mourning him with Danny because I'm really not a fan of show Daenerys at all, really don't like her. But this episode, I saw both Danny there. And well, I she felt got like, to have her. She got to have her tears of joy that he was finally dead. <laughs> you know what, Ian? She was sad, okay? Let her be sad. No, but maybe <laughs> book Danny would have been. But, um, but I, I thought that was really nicely. I felt like the bond between her and Drogon was, I liked seeing that as more than just a conqueror thing and them actually being like united in that way. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I wasn't necessarily sad to see him go because it's been coming, but I am one of the few non-Jora haters. Although do we, have any other, do we have any other non-Jorah haters that I need to mark down? I, I, I kind of like Jorah. Um, ah! I was say, uh, Jorah, uh, he was originally that, or I can't remember when it was exactly, but he's he's a villain in like season two of Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sir Richard, I did that? an article on that. that. I did an article <laughs> on his Sir, Sir Richard Carlisle. Yeah, Sir Richard Carlisle. And... Uh, so I just really ended up liking Ian Glenn just because like, okay, well, this guy's got some versatility. Um, I also, though, I watched seasons one and two. Then I read all the books. Then I started with season three. Mm-hmm. And you have a very different. So seasons one and 
do yeah. really tee you up to like this Jorah guy. And then yeah. you start reading the books and he's this bizarre old man who scares Daenerys. Flavor. And you're like, Maybe. oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I kind of I kind of like Jorah. Yeah. Johnny, do you, uh, do you like Jorah? I'm I'm not a Jorah hater, but I haven't had any okay. real feelings about Jorah since maybe season four. Okay. He's he's just I'll take that. I, I feel like he played his arc twice yes, now. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It it he he got he went to CVS, <laughs> Sam got the tweezers, he got the lubriderm, oh they peeled off his his it seeming they, they cured leprosy with he didn't even have to get a prescription. Um, <laughs> no health insurance free, you know. No, and and it it was. His arc was completed. His he had a lot of opportunities to exit the off ramp. Theon also kind of was kept in that holding pattern because when he jumped off of the ship after Euron and them had attacked, I thought that the character yeah. was kind of going backwards in a way that I, I pers- as somebody who doesn't really care about yeah. Theon, I thought that was kind of the result of poor plotting. I don't think we needed that, but he got his he got his end tonight or last Wait, night. Wait, hold on. One can oh, we uh, can I have one last Jorah take before we move on to Theon? And Ian, you were, if it's a if it's yeah. a bad take, it, it, do you have you're going to Ian, you've heard this before, I guess yeah, that's actually. actually a good thing to do. We can go over the deaths and then now because she's like the ultimate death. Right. So Yeah. Okay, you can have your last Just Jorah. my last Jorah thing is um and this is this is the first episode of this season, but he I'm still just astonished by how bad at networking he is. Where um, you have that scene in the library where they walk in and it's, oh and it's yeah. Khaleesi, here's my friend I can't wait to introduce you to. And she's like, oh, and what is your name, friend? And Oh, it's Tarly. And then, oh, I just murdered your dad. Oh, no. Well, I can see Oh, and I murdered your brother. Oh, and Jorah's just standing there yeah. the whole time like, Jorah, how did you queue up? this introduction like there's someone you need to meet he's in the library um okay anything i should know about him no that's that's it he's just in the library (laughs) (laughs) he's in the library because he likes to read (laughs) yeah he's a a reader let's go yeah (laughs) you've got that in common it's gonna be great he ruined sam's favorite spot (laughs) so yeah i mean yeah that scene was big You know, Sam, that was Sam's fault for being Sir Jorah's friend, because does Jorah have any other friends? His first friend. He was Jorah's friend. I'm his friend. I'm his friend. No, you can't be his friend. I have a picture with him. We're friends, okay? Uh, uh, We only show Jorah. You know, I'm getting getting what I want out of, you know, we're talking a lot about Jorah, but the flip side, you can't have nice things. It's not all negative. Sorry. So let's move. I'm kidding. Um, We're actually doing, uh, I have an episode planned uh, for some time later called The Trial of Sir Jorah Mormont, where we're going, uh, it's just basically a hour long dunk fest on how much we hate hate the character. But um, so, so Jorah died and. Some people were sad about it. I was very happy. Um, it, it was it was great that after all his diseases and all the times he'd been turned down, actually the really the sad thing is that he didn't come back as an ice zombie for one last. Khaleesi, take me back, take me back. Oh god, the ultimate try, I, friends, ultimate like desperation, right it there. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter that I'm a White Walker. I'll still. <laughs> 
pretend to serve you and then betray you. There's again. no blood flowing to the, to the dick anymore, but I can still do it. Oh, gross. gross. White Walker Jorah Mormont kills Jon oh, Snow. Hold on. None of us. Yeah, at least it would have been a more exciting plot twist. Knock it all out. None of us are sad about that's uh, We can yeah. all agree it's four neutral or happies about that death, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, um, for me, it's more sad that I don't get to see Ian Glenn's portrayal on the screen. Did did Sir Jorah do a better job leading the Dothraki <laughs> into the abyss than I did of booking a show full of Jorah haters? <laughs> Melisandre did. Her, <laughs> Melisandre gets the credit for Dothraki. Okay, like I mean, yes, he definitely led them, but like she gave them the fire, she gave them the purpose. So give my girl some of her respect. I mean, we we are gonna. We all, I think we all here respect her, but. Yeah, that was just so wild for me. Like, she just, I knew she was going to be in this episode, but when she wrote up, I literally screamed out loud. Um, literally screamed. And just the fact of like, I was talking about Ian, this, with this about Ian before, so I'm so sorry, I don't want to jump ahead, so we'll talk more about Mel later before kind of reviewing the deaths. But in terms of that, the beginning of the episode, what I found really powerful is like, here's Book Mel. Here she is, because like there's the famous quote where John says that um, everyone knows that she's Stannis Baratheon's true queen. Then Stannis saying how my men are afraid to even say her name. So she is this person who is so commanding and intimidating, although from my therapist's perspective, that's all a facade to hide a lot of pain and confusion. And um, and to actually see her like literally being a leader with all of these men following her command and in awe of her was really powerful for me as someone who's in terms of this show, one of my issues with game of Thrones, as opposed to song of ice and fire is that for me as a woman, as a feminine woman, I find it hurtful in the sense that it often promotes this idea that like you have to be a badass with a sword in order to be cool. And if you're not, then you're just like lame. Um, but there was Melisandre. There's the shot about, 29 minutes in where she just strides through a group of soldiers and the unsullied and they clear the way for her and you see her skirts trailing behind her. So there's this image of femininity with a sea of men parting the way for that. And it was just so beautiful to see that for me, that was really beautiful to see and for them to know that she matters and she can be commanding without holding a sword or without wearing armor. Um, which really contradicts a lot of things on the show that I have found personally hurtful as someone who finds a lot of strength in femininity. Um, and especially considering that she has been so deeply sexualized on the show here, she was still feminine, but not a sex object. She was a leader and seeing people really listen to her as a leader and follow her as a leader like these Dothraki who are not exactly from like the world's most respecting culture of women just being like, yep, she helped us. We're going to really be, we're cool with her. Um, that was really powerful. And it showed that was book Mel. That was the Mel who men are going to follow no matter what, um, who converts people to believe in R'hllor who never would have before. Oh, unintentional rhyme. But yeah, so for me, as but not just a Melisandre stand, but also as someone who wrote their master's thesis uh, on fem and erasure and femphobia within queer communities, I'm a lesbian slash queer woman. Um, it, that was just really meaningful for me. Yeah, 
I somebody else have Mel thoughts or should we? Oh, go ahead. David. I don't know whether to save. I mean, I think that I don't know. I I've got I I've got Mel thoughts, but I don't really think I can top that in any way. Mm. So <laughs> I think, um, and not that the point of this is to top it, but like you, your Melisandre thoughts are so much more yeah. developed and thoughtful where oh, it's like I, I was well I was really well, I just, don't want to know other people's thoughts I my whole thing was just I thought she was gonna come in and resurrect one or two people and die like I, yeah, I, I in no same. way did she fulfill her traditional purpose of exactly either burn someone or save someone you yeah know, she, that's what made us I thought she was yeah so it, it was just I thought she was coming yeah, in to fail right like, oh, she's going to, who's she bringing back? Yeah. Um, and that, and yeah. she came back at a, at a, to talk about the battle a bit, um, it didn't seem between John and Danny on their dragons and the Dothraki charging. I mean, the lighting was horrible in the episode, <laughs> but I imagine it was. Except for the fire. Thank you, Melisandre. Can you imagine Again, what it would have looked like without Melisandre? Yeah, she got there. She saw the feng shui was so bad <laughs> that she gave them the lighting sword so that the room would have a little bit, it would be less depressing <laughs> when they died out there. Her queer eye for the straight battle, guys. <laughs> but um, I'm interested to hear people's thoughts about how the battle itself mm-hmm. um, played out. Because I, 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 I to some extent, I, I just, it would have maybe been good to have last episode, they had the scene around the war table a little bit, but just to kind of get even a minute or two layout of what their plan was, because it was it was hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very. Yeah. Or, or seeing them regroup and knowing what that regrouping consisted yeah. of. Yeah. Um, I I think that... For me, the hardest thing to follow was all of the various aspects of the dragon battles. Uh, um, they kind of all look alike in the snow. <laughs> yep. And that that made it pretty tricky for me in a Saving Private Ryan shaky cam sort of way. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah it was... Um... It, it was it was hard to tell, and and we all knew that Ice Viserion would come, and he had his blue fire. Mm. But I mean, the plan was to lure the Night King to the Godswood, right? So where that left Ice Viserion, like in terms of where where he was supposed to be in the battle, I don't think any of them knew. And then to see them kind of dueling the Night King, it kind of seemed like okay, well, if you're gonna go out and fight him. You're wasting a perfectly good uh, trap, which they didn't have much of an idea of what to do when he actually got to the Godswood. Totally. But that's a whole separate issue. Yeah, like even in terms of Melisandre's entrance, it made their battle plan seem even more unformed. So I'm like, oh, just this random person show- rolls in and you're like, okay, hi. It doesn't like yeah. a, a solid battle plan. I guess that's why it surprised me. So I thought she was going to come like in a way that was a super big surprise where it seemed like Jorah was almost waiting for and expecting her. Um... So yeah, I didn't really get the strategy. I was just kind of like watching it. I was just like kind of in the moment and not really following. I haven't rewatched, I've only rewatched Mel scenes. Um, but yeah, I guess I was just, I was like really excited to see her. So I'm like, I'm just 
hyped for that and like watching the rest, like, okay, okay. It definitely, yeah, out of their, for me, Blackwater is the gold standard of a battle episode, not in terms of the actual battle, but in terms of the episode as a whole, as a holistic thing, in the sense of there being mm-hmm. those amazing intimate moments between characters balanced with the battle. And then I think in terms of actual battle logistics, Battle of the Bastards is like the best choreographed one, is like in terms of battle strategy, like in terms of the actual like visuals and watching the battle and being compelled by that. Also Hard Home. Um, for me, this wasn't really that compelling to watch as a battle. Um, and then the intimate moments also weren't that compelling to me either personally. Um, so it just, you know, it was like, a, I'm like, I want my black water back, but there was nothing like the moments with Cersei and Sansa or yeah. Cersei, um, telling Tom in the store, the fable about the, uh, right. the stag, no little, you know, it, it, like we, instead we got Sansa, which I found so offensive, like telling Tyrion, you're the best of them. Right. Like, just oh god like stop giving Tyrion credit for doing the bare minimum of not raping you <laughs> like D&D stop that um but yeah at the yeah he did yeah. he did crochet they seem to have oh. forgotten that he can't I mean do the, he really shouldn't do sex workers can matter to them though so well the crypts you bring up a good I'm glad that we um we should talk about the crypts mm-hmm. because um putting aside the fact that putting everybody in a room full of dead bodies was probably not smart, Mm -hmm. but um, there wasn't really kind of any defense and to sneak that. uh, Oh, by the way, we would, you know, Sansa and Tyrion, we would get along great if it wasn't for Danny. They're just, they're trying to force the, the Sansa, Danny, the Stargarian conflict that we just, I I, I don't, I don't need them to fight. I get that the show narrative maybe needs them to fight to fill time yeah it, it seems out of place yeah that's why i was so impressed with aria and melisandre actually getting along because women never get along on this show so <laughs> i'm like you really i'm like you're in the crypts like that i was especially considering they both had sex with the same man and you would think aria would be angry about what she had to gendry but they were just like you know what we're in this together sister sister um for once that was so refreshing because yeah needed like the miss andy and sansa little squabble there was just so unnecessary as i said just didn't compare to any of the stuff that they talked about during blackwater and the scenes with the women um but yeah and and the everyone's here to kill you Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, if if it goes wrong right mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah i forgot about that oh yeah we've seen so much um growth with from Sansa as a leader mm-hmm. and yet she didn't look like a leader in the crypt. Well, I, I think that's more the writers than her, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that I'm, I'm a big yeah. Sansa fan. Um, I think uh, like she, she did her best. And apparently there was some footage that was cut of her, like going at some whites, but yeah, I just, it felt underwhelming. Like I felt like she could have played a role like, for example, in Blackwater, when she leads a woman in prayers, and that was a really beautiful moment, something like that. Well, they gave her a good chastity moment, right? But just Tyrion and, Tyrion and Sansa, okay, we're... I mean, it. I don't know if it was entirely intended to be a Butch Cassidy homage, but that's all it was to mm-hmm. me, except for without the stakes of Butch Cassidy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. we, we know they're not going to let him. Well, that and uh, sorry, but uh, w- Catelyn wouldn't have been in the in the crypts, right? 
No. Okay, so no. this wasn't some kind of... We weren't game. getting Lady Stoneheart. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, did uh, we get Lady Stoneheart? No, because she no. would end down there. What I wanted was... I This show has come to, like, crack fanfic to me that I just would have <laughs> loved if if Liana uh, Stark just if got reanimated, found Jaws, like, boy, what are you doing, Hung Sexter Aunt? What are you doing? And, like, I would have liked that little moment, but whatever. Or white Rob Stark <laughs> with a uh, gray wig on his head. Oh, my God. That would have been perfect. That would have been great. Been Although I would have been sad. Would, would they have been, would they have buried him with the head? Still yeah, I don't head? think so. <laughs> no. no. Frankenstein's part. Probably not. I guess yeah, in, ter- maybe, yeah. Yeah. in terms of talking of the battle, I think also what made it dissatisfying for me was the, the plot, the abundance of plot armor. Sure. Um, I, and this mm-hmm. also, like, we were talking about battle of the bastards. Um, we expected like quote unquote figure people to die who didn't. I feel like the show hasn't really since the red wedding has not like full out killed major, 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 major people besides Tywin. But that felt sure. That felt different. I don't know. Um, I felt like they've kind of, that was written by George. Yeah, exactly. I felt like it has kind of lost its edge in that sense of really killing people off in a way that shocks and that like disturbs, even though I was very profoundly just upset by Theon's death for reasons I'll talk about. But, um, but yeah, just like for example, Jamie Lannister is a perfect example. Yeah. Um, like him surviving the field of fire by like a millisecond last year, or no, two years ago now, last season, and then he's fighting with one hand against all his whites and survived. Like I love Jamie, but my son, come on, you're fighting. Don't don't do that. Go to the crypts with your one hand. Like I don't know. Um, and then John also being a perfect example of. I mean, obviously they're not going to kill him because he already died, right. but. But, like, he was having Viserion blow all that ice fire on him and being fine. And also with Battle of the Bastards, he's, like, totally fine. And in Beyond the Wall, that shot of him climbing up where I'm just like, oh, come on, you'd be dead. Um, and with Arya, too. I mean, like, in season six where she gets stabbed over and over, but it's like, it's all good. So I think that, like, what made it dissatisfying for me to watch was that the stakes didn't really feel as high because the character's plot armor was just so heavy um like well, like we needed like like i'm sorry it would have been better to have like Tyrion go out there and get killed and people would have actually been shook you i know? was ready for jamie's death i was entirely even though he's yeah. the, the long or whatever and he's gonna kill cersei or all, all those predictions um it i was entirely ready for jamie and brienne and tormund and gray worm i i was at least half of them were going to be dead. I was certain of this. I thought more too. Yeah. Yeah. Then the one, and then, and then, yeah. And then the one who did die, who I didn't expect. And what I found upsetting was Liana Mormont yeah. because not like I'm, I was actually, I was shocked they killed her because she's just a fa- like a show only fan favorite. Mm-hmm. But even though I'm not a huge fan of her, I found her gratuitous, honestly, like seeing the Shireen die was enough child murder. Right. Um, you know, I didn't think it was necessary. And also, so there's no more House Mormont. Okay. But, um, but yeah, I, even though I, even though she went out swinging and I appreciate that and she, her performance was great, seeing a child die so violently was not my cup of tea. Yeah. Who was everybody's, um, favorite death and then also the death that they wanted and didn't get for a nice, uh, fun uh, game? Is it the one that, like, uh, for poetic? 
What kind of wants do you mean, or can we interpret that however we want? I- interpret it however. Johnny, okay. do you have a do you have a, yeah. do you have a wish list that you want to share? <laughs> um, I uh, came into I so I came in straight from Endgame to watching uh, oh, to watching wow. uh, th- this battle. So I was a little bit emotioned out by the end of the night. Uh, but I saw ex- what I thought was a spoiler that was just hashtag Arya, mm-hmm. and I went through the entire episode oh. thinking, "Up, oh, they're actually going to do it. They're actually going to." I don't get when people think that's going to happen. When George said that his wife said that she would divorce him, has said that Paris. Yeah. Oh, she's safe. Did she really? I never heard yeah. that. Yeah, apparently his wife said that she would leave him if he killed Arya. So. <laughs> she's safe. And that—that's basically a spoiler. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that is, that is. Uh, but that was because of that. I was really expecting to be flabbergasted by her death, and obviously, I wasn't. Um, I think of the deaths we got, I was most saddened by Dolores Ed, and mm. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's such a mood. Yeah. He's he's always so like cranky. I love him. Mm. So yeah, that, my my rough one. Yeah, that was a sad one. Was there anyone you wanted to die? Wanted to see that? For the first time ever, after last week, I was ready to see Jamie die. And, like, not fulfilling his arc would have been a valid character choice. And I was kind of disappointed to see both him and Brienne survive, given the catharsis we got last week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's a that's a good point. It, I mean, we knew that Bron has his little side thing that the writers decided to keep him around so that he can yeah. check out the himself. Yeah, whatever. That yeah, is. but uh, I was skeptical that he was going to die, and then Brienne. I mean, we didn't have a big Jamie or Brienne moment. I mean, they were they were on screen a lot, but it 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 felt like cameo. It felt like. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about Endgame in case people are. I don't. Is Don't Spoil the Endgame still going? I don't know. Uh, um, I I think we might be in the clear. I'm not sure. Zoe. Did. Well, let's just. I don't. Let, I'm let's not just say that. All, I don't care. Oh, okay. Well, let's just let's just say that um, they were kind of reduced to cameos that um, some of the lesser Avengers ones maybe who were dusted or not dusted. We we don't know. We don't know, even know if they're coming yeah. back or not. With this day completely spoiler free. But uh, they felt kind of like an afterthought this episode. Sure. It was weird. Yeah, I think that's. I um, and I like Johnny. I had the day before the episode. I saw a seven-hour showing of War and Peace, and I was really <laughs> in the mood for war. And then I couldn't see anything. <laughs> we all felt like Melisandre. We were all old. Yeah, I felt like, you know, you take off your hair. Uh, well, I always, I don't really wear jewelry much, but I have hair ties I always have in my arm. I felt like I took those off age 30 years. Um, that could have just been, it was the, coincidentally, also the end day of my progesterone, which I'm every, sure everybody's like, you need to hear about hormones. But this podcast is named Estradiol Illusion, so yeah. that's all fair game. Yeah, you're in the clinic. I, you know, I... I, I feel like we haven't talked enough about the lighting, but <laughs> what, what are you going to say? There said. wasn't anything it's been there. Been said, yeah, it's been memed about enough. We know. I liked the parts above the clouds, right? 
It was nice. Yeah, you, moon you read, it was like it was like Cloud City, except uh, it was dark time, <laughs> right. nighttime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait, I, you know, Dolores. Yeah. What oh, were yeah. your answers, though? I, oh, did you, who am I? Um, yeah. I I'm gonna say I would have wished for a second death of Ser Jorah. Instead, give you a white and die again. And the one that I, um, and then the the death that I was saddest about, um, I, I miss I miss Liana Mormon. She sure. was great. They, if there was one character you could have given a spinoff to, it was her. Oh, and so she was great. I loved her from the moment of season six. I I I really I would have liked to have seen her. Uh, I, I don't know what Mage Mormon would have been in relation to her, the uh, matriarch of. Of House Mormon in the books, yeah. But um, it was, it, it was, it was very, it was a little gratuitous, and it was yeah. sad. And you know, of all of the tragic deaths, they really had to kill like the last member of the Night's Watch. Yeah. I, when he died, I almost said to myself, "And now the Watch has ended." Right. Mm-hmm. Because do they have any other any other brothers of the Night's Watch? So, uh, yeah, that Tormund. Does Tormund count? Um, I guess I mean, not really. <laughs> I was kind of ready for him to die. He wasn't really in that. Oh yeah, yeah. I meant as a knight, and I don't know yeah. if he if he counts. Yeah, he can. Uh, he can take the black if he wants. And <laughs> he torment, give up sex. Weed in the shadow tower. Yeah, he's not getting up. That would that, he wouldn't be able to follow Bran around if he had to go to the wall. Exactly. I don't know that he's that big of a stickler for the rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He out, out. <laughs> yeah. So who That's did, a good point. Yeah. So who? So what about uh? What about you, David? It? Yeah. Um, I'm having a far, uh, hard time really saying who the saddest death was, just because I was braced for so many more. Um, like I, I'd say so the saddest I, death was expectation. I I don't know. I mean, I I was relieved. You know, at when the episode ended up. Actually, you know who the saddest death was? It was the Night King. Because yeah, yeah, um, undermines the whole point. <laughs> yeah, I uh, and you know I I like a lot of the opinions that are out there. Shakespeare of Thrones has a a nice Twitter thread today about how the point of the show has never been magic, so it's okay that the Night King died uh, and that all of that ended because it was never about you know, humans versus magic, good versus evil. It was about humans and the magic was secondary. Um, so, and I think that is a good argument. Um, at the same time, and also I think it was great that Arya killed him. That was, you know, the character to have killed him. Uh, it all made sense. But I would have liked for him to kill Bran first. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe for the episode to have ended with just Bran getting either murdered or turned into one of them or whatever, and then just ending, and they could have picked it up in the next one. Uh, I so I I don't know that I don't know that I'm comfortable saying I wanted Bran to die because just like Jamie or Brienne or a few others, I didn't really want anyone to any of these main characters to die, but I was fully prepared for them too. Um, the one other thing I'll say is that I think that every, every moment with both Daenerys and Jon Snow um, basically felt like a distraction from the whole rest of the battle and the narrative. Mm-hmm. Where, 
they're not it was, like that, it was like the Aladdin magic carpet ride like yeah yeah there was there was no stakes we know yeah. that they're not dying in this episode um I don't even know what they're doing I don't know which dragon I'm looking at is he, mm-hmm. Johnny I think you were saying that like I can't I don't know what any I don't know well, what's riding his dad <laughs> right um so he's in Radal. Yeah, and so I'd say I'm glad the Night King. I thought that that was a good resolution, although um, I really don't know what exactly this means for the second half of the season. Um, and I, I just think that they could have killed a few of the few more of them off. And I, I don't know how much more we have to listen to Bran Stark do his oh. thing. <laughs> yeah, the hipster yeah. friend. Uh... Is 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 his small liberal arts college in New Hampshire? Oh, hey, I went to small school. Don't 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 put him in. The list. We're not. No, I definitely. Oh yeah. no, he 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 totally goes to like Bowdoin or. Uh, I went to Vassar. I went to Vassar. Don't. don't <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, then, yeah. Okay, if was a Vassar, like it basically, if you were a man and like not and straight and not hideous like you he would have been got like all the ladies <laughs> <laughs> oh god now i'm like thinking of like modern au brand at my at college and i probably would like i probably would have slept with him yikes oh god <laughs> anyways he could have told you uh could have told me the future anyways tell you finish your thing about who uh who was your, your saddest death or i guess yes, you said the night king yeah i mean I, i'm not literally saying i'm sad i just right about the night king i just i feel um, none of them i i will I'll, I'll just finish up by saying this i cried during avengers endgame i did not cry during the battle of winterfell and i'm a far bigger game of thrones fan than i am a marvel fan so just let that i, I feel that sentiment a lot yeah. I, I, I think that for pretty much everyone last week hit us all a lot harder mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah and i guess yeah, that um, that really puts last uh, week in perspective because the fandom. I mean, that was really sort of the most upbeat and excited and happy that I, I'd seen the fandom in my, uh, you know, I forget exactly tenure, how long. Your tenure, <laughs> eight yeah, years. I, yeah, it it because I mean you get you get well right um it. And I guess the unity, we all knew what was coming. And then it, it getting back to uh, David wrote an article about how um, all of the sort of coverage of Game of Thrones and all of that was uh, dragging him down a bit. And <laughs> I'm exhausted. Comes, I'm burned com- out. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to this battle, I feel like. It's so cliched to say, like, oh, it crumbles under the weight of expectations. I mean, Endgame was as hyped as they come, and it was mm-hmm. pretty good, and mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, this was over. This was, you know, supposed to be the biggest battle in TV history, and I don't think, I don't, I don't think there was. There, there were obviously plenty of circumstances where it could have been great. I just feel like it. There was so it was so hard to tell what was going on so often that it was hard to get that emotionally invested into it. Even, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think Arya really delivered a lot of the episodes more uh, sentimental moments mm-hmm. and, and creepy, like the hound I, kind of going, like the hound and Beric supporting her. You know, that was really moving. Yeah. Yep. So, no, I think that uh, Arya also gave us the most suspenseful moments. Hmm. 
Yep. Yeah. I agree. But even oh. then, I knew she was fine, so I'm like, she's going to be running yeah. around. And we knew the hound was fine because I think they are giving us uh, that height. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, yeah, we're getting it. The show. We're getting the height. <laughs> yeah, we're getting. Yeah, and I, and I should be. I should be clear. I liked. I liked it. You know. I but I liked. I liked every episode right. of Game of Thrones. You know, even the Sand Snakes in season five. I still uh, have liked every episode of Game of Thrones. There was a fifth season? <laughs> I don't know. My thing is I call the whole, that whole plot Jamie of Arabia. Because every time I see him in that outfit, I just crack the fuck up. <laughs> I cannot see him in, like, you know, the one where he has, like, not the robe, like, the one where he's, like, full on, like, the headscarf. It's just, <laughs> it just, I, to me, it's Jamie Arabia. But, um, yeah, yeah. No, yeah you, you, I can't remember who stole my answer. But, yeah, Bran, I, I actually, in terms of why I feel like the episode in a way kind of undermined a lot of what song of ice and fire does is yeah i kind of you said oh i won't admit i want Bran to die i'll say it i wanted Bran to die not just because he's kind of like a fuck boy i went to college with um because what i mean i really liked aria saving him i people are complaining that it should have been jong's who set up to be john but i'm like you know what let a woman do the work I'm down for that. I'm down Amen. for that. But the thing, you know what? And even though I, and again, with the dealing dissatisfied, it felt like she just flew out of nowhere. I get she was trained as an assassin and all that, but like not against those type of forces. So that felt a little unearned, like in terms of her. So I liked that she killed the Night King, but in terms of her saving Bran, felt a little unearned. Um, and also, so in terms of like his main role has been the, being the conduit between the living and the, and the dead and kind of giving the intel. So with him not, so I felt like he kind of needed to sacrifice himself in some way in order to not, not to be the night King or anything, but to, because what is his role now? Who is he now? He's what is, what's the point well, of his DCTV brain? Like it just, his he couldn't, the, yeah. Well, he couldn't die because he has Radiohead tickets for oh, the fall. Well, I, besides that, but he thought, but but um, yeah, he, I think he's he, really low, actually. Bram yeah, personally told me that OK Computer is the greatest album of all time, and nothing by a woman compares. But um, yeah, but he needs to go see Wilco. In terms of his not dying, it's just like, well, then who is he now? He's just um. His purpose now that his like his purpose of like being the conduit between these two worlds is now it's ice and fi- ice and fire and ice is gone. Yeah, so what's what there now? You know, like that's why I'm saying. So for me, it kind of this episode kind of defeated the point of a song of ice and fire because without ice, what are we? Unless it refers to John and Danny, which no for me. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah. So her saving him did not feel emotionally satisfying for me because. I don't feel like he is even really a human anymore. Um, and he like, what's he going to contribute besides creeping, creeping people out and being a walk and well, not walking, sorry, rolling, being a rolling meme. You um, can, can lend yeah. out a copy of infinite chest. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> like a, we can make a fuck boy brand meme. Like but yeah, so his death. He's got a. Yeah. So his He's death, got an article. Yeah. No, but his, <laughs> or sorry, not his death, but his surviving to me, I felt like him dying that was like his fate kind of in terms of the show, the book's very different, but in terms of the show, now he's kind of like soulless because book brand still has a soul, even though he's eating his best friends, Georgian pace. But, um, but yeah, it just feels like, well, he, now he's just a lot. Like, and so this leads to the death. I'm sad. 
so yeah, so I'm like, it, for me, even though I agree that it is about, the story is about human conflict above anything else. And that's what hooked me on it early on, as opposed to the magic. It's still, it's like the, the essential conflict's been resolved. So like now what? And so that kind of leads me to the death that really shook me. Um, well, I mean, I'm Mel Sanders, but that's in a different way. Actually, I've never been happier about the death scene, but I'll go into that later. Um, so I actually, I've never cried while watching a show. And I cried when Bran said, Theon, you're a good man. Thank you. Mm. I lost it. Cause I am, so as I mentioned, I'm a therapist. I'm kind of trained in what's called like trauma informed therapy. So I'm very, I'm really, um, Theon, he's done all really bad things, but he like for his reunion with Sansa last week, I also like teared up just seeing these two people who have survived trauma of the same person. And the reason I'm really upset about his death is because I feel like as someone who just like, who interacts daily with people who've survived pretty complex trauma, um, I think it would have been such a much more, I think that the idea of death as the ultimate redemption is quite lazy. I think that it would be a much more powerful statement to show that somebody who has been through immense trauma and who has done bad things is able to develop as a person and move forward with their life and live and be able to do better in the world. And that having to sacrifice yourself is not the sign of like what makes you good or what makes you redeemed. So for me, a much more powerful arc for Theon, even though I, I'm okay, I'm like okay with him dying for Bran. I like, you know, he, I like the idea, the concept that, you know, he, he died as Theon instead of Reek, all of that. But I just would have been so much more satisfied with him, especially because he's been the butt of so many dick jokes or lack thereof jokes, that I would have been so satisfied with him being able to just like form a new life for himself um, and show that there is life past trauma. And as, instead of like, well, I have to sacrifice myself in order to be a hero. I think there's more, I think it's more just, it's more heroic to go live your life with such deep wounds than to die is my personal take. And again, so like with Mel, I also have a very trauma informed perspective, but, but yeah, so that's his death really hurt for me. Like I, I cried, as I said, I really did. Um, I have a, my best friend where she's also a big ASOF fan and she's really invested in Theon because she relates a lot to his, how he doesn't really fit in in any world. Um, and I think a lot of people I know who like him relate to that very much. So being able to like see him carve out a place in the world for himself would have been much more powerful for me, at least. So you would have taken the redemption without the subsequent death. I well, like, yeah, I, to me, redemption doesn't hit is not. They're not one does. You don't need death to be sure. To have to gain redemption. It, it doesn't need the trope of the ultimate sacrifice. Exactly. Sure. And yeah. I think that that's just lazy and I'm like tired of it, honestly. Um, so I just, especially for someone who like has, is so often reduced to a dick joke to see him be able to really find some sort of form of happiness while also acknowledging that he's fucked up is just more powerful. Um, yeah. In the way that Melisandre basically did. Sure. I kind of want to flip that on. Can, on its head for a second and uh bran had everyone sacrifice for him (laughs) unless like his role wasn't to put himself in in a place of sacrifice it was to put pawns pawns in place that's also i'm salty over it 
very different um, from at least the brand that we've seen in the book so far. I know my sweet boy is dead. Like they just, he's one of the characters that to me, they've really butchered the most. Um, Yeah. It's like, he's just like using people as pawns as he's like, like could have, if he, cause he, you know, he gave Arya the, um, the dagger kind of because he knew she was going to be the one to use it. Then it's like, then could he have like uh, warned Theon to run away? I don't, I, I, to me, his arc was over and I don't see it going anywhere. I don't see his arc going anywhere interesting or powerful. Like what he's going to spy on Cersei. Yeah. She was drinking. Oh, she was drinking again. Like, okay. Sure. Yeah. He, um, he doesn't seem that interested in helping more so than observing. <laughs> and yeah. he's still alive. So he hasn't sacrificed. Um, we're not even that sure how much he cares about other people's sacrifices. Like everybody remembers the callous, uh, mentioned last season when he saw Stan- Sansa. Oh, He's oh like, Oh yeah, God. I watched that you. That was when he was dead to me. That was when he died for me. Truly. He just, he's he had too much when you were raped, Sansa. He's, he's... That was bizarre. Uh, I mean, the gods would. Are the whole Arya sneaking up? I mean, people have said, "Well, she's a trained assassin," and I mean, her her time in the library kind of contrasted that. She didn't Good really point. seem like somebody who was a hundred percent comfortable. But I don't know. I mean, I like seeing Arya totally. again. Better her than John. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Night King. He doesn't really do anything. He's he's no Thanos. He's no <laughs> he's no Cersei. Right. It's good to have, you know, looking forward to the next three episodes, it's nice to have a villain that people care about. Yeah, I mean... He, Does anybody here care about the Night King? No, he's the least charismatic <laughs> villain. Yeah, he's... You know, he, he's a force. Yeah. He's not the villain. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of a victim in a way. He was turned into the Night King against his will. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. They did the... I was always ready for the nuance. Yeah. You know, the, where was the whole, uh, everyone was always saying like, yeah, we're going to get his. It's so much history of, of the motivations of the White Walkers. Right. Yeah. They like cold. Mm-hmm. But then we, yeah. now we don't really know the meaning of the circle patterns, you know, like with Ned Umber mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah, he made that great mural in the first episode. That great <laughs> art. He just him and Bran could have bonded over being like arty fuckboys, but no. Yeah, we don't. We won't see any more of his Banksy <laughs> creations. It's sad. It's yeah. sad to think about that. We have three more episodes, and we don't have the greatest artist in the whole show is gone. So maybe I'll switch my answer, and I'm sadder about the Night King than I am about Leona Mormont. <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, it. He, he he could have been more developed, but uh, the show's not really about him. I mean, everybody says it's the song of ice and fire. It's not the Game of Thrones. Well, after seeing, you mm. know, the loss of the Night King, maybe I'd rather have it be about the Game of Thrones. Yeah, for me as a Cersei fanatic, like, it's completely absurd to think she's a more threatening force than the Night King, especially because Book Cersei is such a bumbling fool. I mean, she's my bumbling fool, but it's hilarious. Like, the idea that that is a bigger threat than Night King, like, come on. But as a Cersei fanatic, I'm also kind of flattered. I'm like, nope, my girl's a bigger <laughs> bigger threat than the Night King, you know? But, but yeah, mm-hmm. you're right, at least... Yeah, I mean, as on the one hand, although I feel like this undermined kind of, like, a lot of the points of the series... 
at least I'm compelled by Cersei. I just, yeah, just felt like they were building towards, I mean, the thing is that literally the prologue of book one and the first scene of the first series of her season series, how my British grandma says it. So I absorb that. Oh, she's real life Elena. But, um, but the fact that it started with the, like the others, I guess really sets it up to be about that. So I guess that's also where I'm like, mm-hmm. Because I prefer the human interaction, but also for me, like over spectacle for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just weird that what this both were literally founded upon is now like resolved. Yeah. So for me, in terms of talking on deaths, Melisandre's death was really empowering because um, this is someone who they've changed her so radically from the books and kind of turned her into like a sex toy or like an accessory for men's plots. And I felt like Bookmel was back. And also in terms of like why I find her so fascinating is her psychology. So like in a dance with dragons, her point of view chapter, um, you know, her, the key passage for me is where it says she has no time for sleep with the weight of the world on her shoulders. And she feared to dream. Sleep is a little death dreams, the whisperings of the other who would drag us all into his eternal night. She would, you know, et cetera. One day Melisandre prayed, she would not sleep at all. One day she would be free of dreams. Melanie, she thought lot seven. So the fact that this woman who has been spent, she's so fucking tired and she's so hardworking and she's so burdened and chained to her responsibilities to save the world. And also with my therapist brain, uses I think she's using all of that as a way to suppress that Melanie Lot 7 childhood trauma. And she's literally afraid to go to sleep because of having nightmares about Melanie Lot 7. And the fact that she was able to no longer be afraid to dream and be able to just rest and and find peace, I found so deeply empowering um for as someone who's worked with a lot of trauma survivors, um that really like kind of opposite to Theon, it kind of sends a really positive message that you can live your, like you can choose to find peace and you can get past the things that have like repressed you and held you back because all the terrible things she's done in the name of Valor have also been kind of to repress her own trauma. And because she, sure mind, like when you read her point of view chapter, she's a very unhappy person. She's very unhappy and she's very anxious and she cannot rest. And the fact that, we literally see her walk to sleep forever and she's able to finally accept that for herself. I found so empowering, especially in light as a woman who watches the show, seeing so much violence against women constantly. She's pretty much the only character besides Eamon who actually has died a peaceful death. Um, like, and natural, like of old age. And the fact that a woman who, the fandom, not like not us, the fandom, but like kind of like the show watching fandom really hates and that so many people have tried to kill and who has been through so much was able to die on her own terms and not on the hands of a man killing her when pretty much every other woman who's died, it has been through violence against women. I'm just blown away. I, I really couldn't, I, I'm, I can't believe D and D did that. Like, and just really, like, and it, I feel like if you haven't read the books and don't know about her fear of sleep, it doesn't hit as hard. But knowing about her fear of sleep and the fact that she felt ready to sleep moved me so deep. Like, I'm my heart feels full of, like, just full to bursting. That the fact that her, as I said, like, her arc was completed, essentially, in a way that wasn't just... um oh, well, I'm dying for the sake of heroism. It's I'm dying because I can live, because I'm okay. She's finally okay. To see her finally be okay 
when you read this chapter of a woman who's so deeply haunted and knowing that she no longer feels haunted and can end her life peacefully, especially in a world that where women don't live very long for the most part um, because of violence against them meant the world to me. And just as, as I said, as a woman viewer who was so tired of seeing the same stuff over and over to see a woman have agency in her ending and in how she lives and ends her life was just extremely empowering and moving for me. And I am bow down to Carice Van Houten and to the showrunners for doing that for her and for giving justice to that little girl who was sold to the Red Temple and, and tortured. They really, they, they let her, they let her rest. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't, it never occurred to me. Peaceful deaths. The only other peaceful death on the show arguably was Eamon Targaryen. Yeah. I mean, I guess peaceful deaths aren't very interesting. Um, so there's a reason they haven't, but the, the idea of her. So one thing I don't care for on the show is the prophecies. Yeah. I'm always never so sure about those. And when she, she comes in, she says, I'll be dead by mm-hmm. morning. Well, that wasn't actually a prophecy. She had decided mm-hmm. she was going to die. So, or at least that was my interpretation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah, really, really, I had not thought of it nearly on that deep of a level or even the idea that it might be a peaceful death. But yeah, that's a really, that's really, uh, Thank you. I just, yeah, look, just the look. Yeah. I, I think it was a lot of a spell down in Carice Van Houten's performance. Like the look as she walked in her face, she just looked so calm. She looked so at peace with it. And just, as I said, it's like Melanie, she got to lay Melanie to rest too. The the dreams that had haunted her, the, the dreams that are the whisperings of the other, because the other is gone. Just dreams are the sweet whisperings of the other. The others are gone so she can dream. Will we get any more peaceful deaths? Um, oh, God. With Nobody. Kyburn? No, he's not getting a peaceful death. Euron will die an old man uh, in his bed with a oh, bottle God. of whiskey. Um, I'll kill him myself if I have to. Yeah. Uh, Euron's going to just crash his Camaro into something. Yeah, Yara. Yeah. That's a good one. I think Yara might be okay. Yeah. Or yeah. um I mean, Sam Tarly. Old be... Nan. Old Nan is somewhere <laughs> in the castle. <laughs> Where? Yeah. Where is Old Nan? Yeah. didn't if Varys didn't die in this episode, I don't think he will die. But Melisandre told him he was going I, to. So No no more Mel. We're done okay, with Mel. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm a little he's one of my favorite characters and I've been disappointed with how little he's been giving to do. For sure. I feel like especially if they're now trying to make it more back to politics, there's no better political player than him. He's just like sidelined. Yeah, yeah he's I, not even serving as a foil to Tyrion. Exactly. Well, that, yeah, that put the uh, the scene, the kind of awkward scene last episode with uh, Danny and Dora about about uh, Tyrion taking his job, which wasn't his at all. That kind of put mm-hmm. that in perspective. Because I guess Tyrion is Varys, I guess, will still be around to, I guess, Tyrion's job safety is somehow in question, even though mm-hmm. they kind of just seem to be winging absolutely everything at all times. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know. Um, should we move into final thoughts? Uh, everybody? I'd say my final thoughts. I shared a lot of them already, but I just, I was prepared for something so much harsher 
and more upsetting. Uh, and I, I did enjoy it. You know, it was, like I said before, I've, I've either loved or liked or mostly liked every episode of Game of Thrones I've seen. Uh, with just there's things that I'm not crazy about, um, but you know it's it, it is still a great show that I'm a big fan of. Um, I think they should have mm-hmm. gone darker with it. I, darker as the screen. I was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think the screen. That's the one thing that they couldn't have done. Um, the lighter screen, and I, I was ready. I seriously thought the Night King was gonna not just kill Bran Stark, but just gut him there. And then credits. And I, um, I guess we're, I hope we get some good politics over the next few episodes. And I guess my one other last thought would be, um, I, I wish that, I hope it doesn't just go good versus bad. Cause we just had a whole episode of good versus bad. And ultimately that's when game of Thrones is at its least interesting. When there's yeah. a good guy and a bad guy. And we had a whole episode of good guys and bad guys. I like Cersei. I hope she makes it out of this show alive. Um, probably the most out of a lot of the characters. I hope Cersei's I still alive at the end oh of God. it. And I, and I, I just hope that uh, that we get some good politics over the rest of the season, and that it's interesting, and that they don't fall into uh, villain and hero tropes as we close this thing out. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I think that this was an excellent series finale. Yeah. And uh, whether it's going to be the high point of the season or not is something that I'm kind of undetermined about right now. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. From a re- resolution standpoint. Yeah. It is kind of weird how they split it up like that. Sort of um, building towards this clearly without Cersei in two episodes now. Mm-hmm. Uh, is she still going to be upset about the elephants? We haven't. We're not sure <laughs> if she still is, but uh, hopefully Lena Headley gets a lot of scenes because I, I feel like oh, the show please. is. Uh, yeah, this. Ep- yeah. I mean, there wasn't anything she could have done in this episode, but it would have been. Uh, I-, I love Cersei, so to have her, to have more of her, would be. Uh, ideal. Yeah, it's uh, it's a mixed bag because it's like I want more of her, but we have to see her with that clown. So that clown that right. is called Euron, but isn't Euron, as far as I'm concerned. He's Ronnie. So I'm just, they, they just made like a fake character and decided to call him Euron. If that's not Euron. Yeah, I mean, I thought that the episode was. Uh, I I don't. I, I guess like from the way I've talked about it, I kind of create the illusion that I didn't like it. I did. I just, no, I mean, it wasn't bad. It, if, if I was reviewing it, I would give it a fresh rating probably, but it's, okay. it's, it's like, it's like a seven out of 10 when you really wanted to have a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Especially given the height. They didn't, yeah, they didn't nail the landing and I don't want to accept the idea that they couldn't, that, that it was just hype beyond all belief. Uh, it, it could have been, it could have been better, but I, I I I liked Arya's scene. I liked I I like John. I don't I don't really have any of the I don't have any complaints about the key players. Maybe a little bit more death. Seeing Sergio die was nice, but uh, it, it wasn't battle. It wasn't battle <laughs> of the bastards. And I, I guess it'll 
whether it's fair to judge that on that by by those standards is another story. But um, you know, here we are. It's kind of being judged sure. as the sequel to Battle of the Bastards, right? And did everything bigger, yeah. but not necessarily better. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, like I guess for me, like yeah, I'll share more most of my thoughts already. But I, I guess I didn't. Yeah, I didn't hate it. You know, it was. I thought it was fine. I just wanted more than fine. And I guess my main question is, I don't know or understand. I also don't really care that much now where they go, besides my love of Cersei, where they go from here. Um, I guess one kind of Chekhov's gun thing that hasn't been fired that they can go from here is, is there going to be a boat sex baby? Um, like, cause that's been, you know, that's been hinted <laughs> sure. at. So I guess that's where they can go from there. But yeah, this episode left me confused about what, they're trying to accomplish and where they're going, but also as I said, really moved and pleasantly surprised by the fact that a woman who's the show has mostly degraded was given a dignified ending in a world that doesn't let women have dignity most of the time. So if they surprise me with that, who knows what they're going to surprise me with next, maybe baby Aegon the third or Aegonette is like going to be the, the prince that was promised. We'll see. Um, yeah. What a well, that's a good note to end on. I want to thank everybody for coming on. Um, do you want to go around and say once again where we can find you, or in Zoe's case, not find you? Um, <laughs> you can find you my can internet stuff. Just don't, just don't find my last name. <laughs> Share where we can find more of you. What an awkward way to say that. <laughs> Very brand of you. Where can I find you? Where can I spot you? Yeah, uh, where can we? Um, oh, go ahead, Johnny. Wherever horrors go. Um, Oh no! Oh, no. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cycloptico uh, and at Got Thrones Pcast and the Disco Trek, and occasionally Queen Cersei Real. Um, you can find me at uh, I guess DF Love It. Uh, that's my handle on all things, especially Twitter. Uh, it's also my website. And then what would Bale do? Uh, which again, it's not really about that at all anymore, but it still does have that. When you said that, I thought you meant like Bale the Bard, that dude. Oh, no. When you initially said it, that's what I thought. Yeah, that would have been good too. (laughs) Yeah, another, uh, there's always the future, because the best time to do a Game of Thrones thing is right after it ends. (laughs) Totally. Um, and Zoe, uh, yeah. we can find you on Twitter. Yeah, you can find on Twitter at uh, girl underscore hag, or and my Chris and Howden account is best of Chris. So promo there. Well, we've got we've got a uh, Star Trek expert, we've got a Christian Bale expert, and a Chris uh, fan. Oh, uh, Zoe also does a lot of Kate Bush stuff, which I recommend. I, yeah, I'm a, I've been a professional Kate Bush impersonator. That's actually like my main thing in life. Like. My actually, there's actually that's I actually kind of got into Kate Bush through this because of um, learn like getting into Melisandre and learning the actress who played her was a big Kate fan. So thank you for that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you everybody for coming on once again. It was great to dissect the Battle of Winterfell and all of its various dark shades of dark <laughs> and blue and all those other great things. Uh, I, I did. I, I, if we did an episode next week uh, on this episode, I would probably say, oh, I like it better. But, um, you know, it had it had no Stannis. So, you know, life goes on. Yeah. But uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>